America has become offended by everything except sin. And that we've glorified. That's the state of the culture we find ourselves in today. Welcome to everybody watching in Palm Bay and DeLand and online. We're glad that you're there. It's Palm Sunday. And I want you to understand the circumstances of why Palm Sunday was such a big deal. You see, during the time of Jesus, it was a very similar culture in which he rode his donkey into Jerusalem. It was a culture that was ripped apart by social issues. It was ripped apart by political issues. It was ripped apart by national issues. That was the world that Jesus came into. If you remember when he was recruiting his disciples... They were, some of them, zealots. They had but only one goal, and that was to kill every Roman they could find. It was a very painful time. The sad thing is, people today, like people then, who were living at the top end of things. If you were at the top politically, things were good for you. If you were at the top of the chain in the religious order, things were good for you. And you could look down at everyone else, and it didn't matter how the rabble lived. It didn't matter if they starved. It didn't matter if they had terrible home situations. It didn't matter if their lives were being destroyed by the Romans. None of that mattered because they were doing good. That's a world we find ourselves living in today. And we are offended by everything. Everybody's offended by everything. Sadly, comedy's gone out the door because nobody knows how to laugh anymore. Unless somebody uses the F word and then somehow that's funny. We live in a culture where Mr. Potato Head is banned. And the song of the year is an absolute perverted nightmare. If you don't know what it is, don't even bother looking it up. Who would have thought the song of the year would be a song you couldn't mention in a, in a school or a church? Sadly, it is being mentioned in schools. That's the reality that we live in. That's the reality of what it was like when Jesus rides that donkey into Jerusalem. Just some background scripture. Zechariah 9.9 says that when Messiah comes, he would come riding on the foal of a donkey. Right. Only the poorest of the poor would ride a donkey. But everybody should have known when the Messiah, when Jesus himself came riding on that donkey into Jerusalem, even the most unreligious Jewish person would have known that scripture and they would have known that Jesus was fulfilling it. Here comes the Messiah. But there's more than that. Daniel 9.25, this is a tough one for us in English, but I'm going to show you anyway. We haven't even started preaching yet. We're about 10 minutes from preaching, so hang on. Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. All right, you got that? Let me translate that for you. Here's what Daniel said. Israel is going to be refounded. Daniel is in Babylon at that time. We, we have Nehemiah and Ezra. They're going to go back and they are going to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem. They will go back, I believe, in 444 B.C. He said, in 483 years to the day when that first stone is laid, Messiah will come. 
They knew the day. There should have been a banner over the wall in Jerusalem. They knew the day. There should have been a banner saying, Welcome Messiah! But remember, the people on top, life's good. Messiah is going to mess them up. If the Messiah comes, it might steal their money, their position, their power, which they're far more concerned with. And sadly, there are a lot of people in our culture today that really believe this is it. And if you haven't figured it out, your house is not going with you, your car is not going with you, your handbag, I don't care how much you paid for it, it's not going with you. The only thing going with you is your soul. And it'll be our soul standing in front of God. That's why the people, all right, not the religious people, not the high-end people, not the high rollers, but the rabble like us, that's who greeted Jesus. And they're throwing pom-poms down. They're pom-pom, they're palm fronds. I was close. Uh, all right. They were throwing down palm branches. And they're shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. The Messiah has come. And what did they say? The elite? Tell them to stop it. We cannot have truth. And Jesus said, I could tell them to stop. But if I do, the rocks will cry out. Because all of history has waited for this moment. The only difference between them and us is that we don't know the date that Jesus is coming back. And people say, well, if I just knew the date, well, this story proves it. If you knew that it was next Thursday, that you still wouldn't be ready. There would still be people not ready because they knew when he was coming the first time. So my question, are you ready now? I understand next week is Easter. Everybody's kind of getting in that mood. But are you ready? Are you ready to step into Eternity. If not, we'll just do it right now. There's a button you push online. I've decided. Palm Bay, Deland, Ormond, you come right over here to this sign. I've decided. Let me tell you what. Last night, one of the most emotional, Pastor Cord baptized a dad and the dad baptized his daughter and there was not a dry eye in the room and it was a tremendous way uh, to finish the service last night. But the dad... The dad said from the water, Court said, you want to say anything? And the dad said, if I can do it, you can do it. Wow. So I know there's people here that need to get right with Jesus. You know that the story about Jesus and the resurrection, you know it's true, you've known it's true, and yet you've never accepted Jesus. And maybe it's because you thought life's comfortable. Why do I need the Messiah? Well, we're starting to see the camps. There, it, there really, there's no fence anymore. Used to, you could, you could walk a fence, especially in America. You could like go to church and be sort of a Christian. There's no fence anymore. We live in a time where, again, people are offended by everything by, but sin. And we get into this stuff and people have just truly lost their minds. So one verse we're going to look at. Stand out of respect for God's Word. I want to show you... <coughs> why the Jewish people were so excited that a Messiah was coming. All right, here's the verse, right? Isaiah says, I'm speaking to the city of Damascus. See, Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a heap of ruins. That's all. You can be seated. 
What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Damascus, what do we know about Damascus? Well, Damascus is the city where Saul became a Christian. Anybody remember that story in Acts chapter 9? Saul was walking, he'd been persecuting Christians, killing Christians. And on the way to Damascus, it's 90 miles straight north from Jerusalem to Damascus. And on that road, he's blinded by a light. Jesus speaks to him. Three days later, God gives him a sight back and he begins to be the greatest evangelist in history. In fact, every one of us is here today as Gentiles because Paul went and shared the gospel throughout Europe in the Roman Empire. That's why you and I are here today. All right, that's what we know. You know where he went? He went to a place in Damascus called Straight Street. The house that Paul was converted in, it's still there. You can go to Straight Street, well, except for the Civil War and you being killed. But the Straight Street is still there. The house where Paul was converted is still there. But it says that Damascus is going to be destroyed. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't you tell me Isaiah wrote this 2,700 years ago? Yes, I did. All right. This is one of the few prophecies. This one and Jesus' return, in my mind, are the only two that have not been fulfilled. Because Damascus is the oldest city. Well, there's three. Jericho, Damascus, and a city called Adam. Guess who lived in Adam? Good. All right. When Adam and Eve got thrown out of the garden, they built a little city. It's just north of Jericho. There's nothing there but a few piles of rubble, but that's the city of Adam. And then the city of Jericho and the city of Damascus goes back to the very beginning of time. But Isaiah said the day's coming when no one will ever live in Damascus again. Now, in Jesus' time, that might have been a little hard to understand. In Isaiah's time, that might have been a little hard to understand. How about us? What would it take? One warhead. One warhead. Honestly, there's been several near misses. And I don't know if it's going to come from the, Sy the Syrian civil war that's been going on for 10 years. I don't know whether the Iranians are going to launch. I don't know if they're going to launch out of Tel Aviv. All I know is we're one missile launch away from this scripture being fulfilled. Hadn't happened yet. It's the only one hanging out there. And I don't know if that's going to happen before Jesus comes or after Jesus comes. I don't know the answer to that. But here's what the Jewish people knew. They had watched these prophecies come true time and time again. They knew that cities would rise and they would fall. They knew kingdoms would rise and kingdoms would fall. Therefore, they knew that the key was being right with God, not right in this world. And listen to me, when it comes to culture, I want you to hear this. Somebody's wrong. Either the woke cancel culture's wrong or God's wrong. You get to decide which one. But they can't both be right. Would you agree with that? All right, so the first thing he tells them is look at the city. You see, from the very beginning, God told Adam, what was the first thing he told him? Adam and Eve created them and told them to populate and subdue the earth. Scatter out. So what they do? They all gathered up in a place called Babylon. Built a big tower. Remember that? And God mixed up their languages and he said, let's try this again. Scatter out! 
Then we get to the day the church started, and all the disciples are there in Jerusalem, and Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. And you know what the disciples did? They all stayed in Jerusalem until there was a persecution. After the persecution, they were scattered. The city has always been the problem. Now, here, here's the deal. Because in a city, you lose, you lose that person connection where everybody knows everybody and everybody knows. When I, when I grew up, I could make a mistake way before cell phones. I could make a mistake on the other side of town and mom was ready to beat me when I got home. I still don't know. I still don't know who called whom. I really don't know how that system worked. All I know is everybody knew whose son you were and why you were there and what's the deal with him. And what well, didn't happen in a city because there's just too many people and too much stuff. And this is exactly what God was warning us about. But he said, take a look at the cities because in the cities is where the destruction is going to come from. G.K. Chesterton said this way. He said, the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. What we're fighting for is the kingdom of God. What we're fighting for is the the church to move forward, for the church to continue to exist. And listen, as we get closer to the end, Satan is going to dump everything he's got, and he's doing it. If you haven't seen what's going on sexually, if you're not seeing what's, what, what's going on with the woke culture, if you aren't seeing with what's going on in this cancel culture, you're missing out. The ultimate goal is to cancel the church. Because if they cancel the church, there's no more opposition. Because only the church offers a moral opposition to what the world is bringing. Jesus said this, look to the fields. They are white unto harvest. See, two ways. You can look at the city and say, wow, what a nightmare. Or you look to the city and you say, what a harvest field. Our job is to get as many people saved as we possibly can before destruction comes. You cannot avoid destruction. You cannot ultimately avoid implosion. Second Peter said, in the end times, how's the earth going to, how, how's it going to end? Anybody read the Bible recently? How does it end? By fire. By fire. Probably some kind of a nuclear Deal? I don't know. Maybe God gets mad and just sets the whole place on fire before it's... I don't know. But Peter said, this is how it's all going to end. All right. Here's what the Pope said. All right. My apologies. Well, I can't help it. I'm quoting him. So the Pope said two weeks ago, he said, if we don't do something about global warming, God's going to flood the earth again. Now, perhaps the Pope ought to read the book, um, because in Genesis 9, God told Noah, never again will I flood the earth. In fact, every time you see a rainbow, it's a promise from God saying, I will never flood the earth again. The next time God destroys the earth, he didn't say if, he said the next time I destroy the earth, it'll be with fire. 
right? Be very aware of false prophets and always, always go back to the Word of God to find truth. But the first thing Isaiah says is look to the cities. Well, they knew that. The people in Jesus' day know what's going on in the cities. So when they see Jesus coming in, and again, the average guy knows what it says in Daniel, and they're like, today is the day they were waiting for Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing, waiting for His second return. So he said, look to the cities. But he also said, see the city. See the city and all of its brokenness. There's one of the great, to me, one of the funniest stories is in Matthew 24, 1. The disciples and Jesus are sitting on the Temple Mount. Now, it's hard to describe because it's all ruins today. But you're talking, everything is covered in white marble. Everything is covered in gold. Uh, buildings are gleaming in the sun. It, things are just right, okay? And the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, have you ever seen anything like this? Now think about this. They're talking to Jesus, who created the heavens, the earth, all the stars, the universe itself. And they say to Jesus... Aren't we something? Here's his answer. This, you talk about shutting down a conversation. Jesus, aren't these buildings amazing? Jesus, have you seen New York City? And Jesus said, I'll tell you what. There won't be one stone left on another when judgment comes. And it came in 70 A.D. when Titus and the Romans came to town. So they were so impressed with what they had done that they thought it can't get any better than this, but this world all passes away. It's just a matter of when. So Jesus shuts down this conversation to get them to understand, hey guys, this world is not it. In fact, I'm, I know I'm going to get emails, but it, that's okay, it's funny. I'm reading this article online and they say, listen, we have got to do something about climate change if we don't. We're going to lose New York City and Miami. And I'm like, dude, you're going to have to do better than that if you want us to change. That's just not what, that's just not going to get me there. Just go ahead and send your email, whatever. Uh, all right. Um, let's do a little evolution moment again, looking at the city, okay? You go to a museum. And any museum you go to in America, they've got these displays that show uh, a few dozen monkeys going right back, shows your cousin, your uncle, your brother-in-law, shows all of them. <laughs> here's what they don't show you, okay? Here's, here's one of those exhibits, okay? But see the green? That's everything they actually found. So you see these exhibits that cover maybe whole floors in museum about how we came from apes, and yet what they have is about six bones. What they won't tell you is they didn't even find these six bones in the same place. They came from miles apart, and some of them hundreds of feet down in different layers, not even remotely close. The chances of these bones belonging to the same animal are very slim. And yet so desperate to push their agenda that there is no God, we fill every museum and every school textbook. Why, look, here's proof. What proof? I see a few bones, but yet 
That's how the message is driven home. I don't know if you saw what's happened. Oral Roberts played an incredible basketball game last night. Missed a three at the end. Would have been the first uh, 15 seed to get in to the Elite Eight. But I don't know if you saw what USA Today published about them this week. Allow me to enlighten you. Uh, People were furious that they're even allowed to play in the tournament. They're trying to get Oral Roberts and Liberty thrown out of the NCAA uh, because of their horrible, archaic Christian values. Their rules are archaic and wildly out of touch with modern society. Now remember, the people that are writing this are people of tolerance. Yes? I'm just reporting. All right, so I wrote, well, no, they're not archaic, and so what if they are? I have free speech, I have freedom of religion. They go on to say they're horribly bigoted against LGBTQ+. That's not true, but I ask the question, how about your deeply bigoted position about Christians? Hmm. They have a student code of conduct that is absolutely out of control. Do you know what they ban? Profanity. Oral Roberts bans their kids from using profanity. And that is absolutely out of touch. Here's my favorite quote. Following God, purity and modesty instead of the NCAA is a really bad move for Oral Roberts University. Now, let me, let me put this in context for you, because this is what they really mean to write. Following God, purity, and modesty instead of the NCAA or whatever else you want to put there is a bad move for the church. That's what they're really saying. Then they scold the school for having the audacity to hold to an archaic view that marriage is between a man and a woman. Then here's the final quote. They lash out and say no matter how many victories Oral Roberts has on the basketball court, it will never make up for their moral failings. Now, let's go back to where we started. Somebody has moral failings. It's either the cancel culture or it's God. You can decide which one. Oh, I wanted them to win so bad last night. All right. So Isaiah says, look at the city, understand what's going on in the city. And then he says, now look at the ruins. Because you and I now live in the ruins. Are they going to get worse? They're going to get worse. Guaranteed. They're going to get worse. All right. It's playing out all over the world right now. By the way, thank you for praying for our friends in Egypt. They've got a two-week delay uh, on their case. Uh, The government has no case, but just keep praying for uh, what's going on in Egypt. If you haven't seen what's going on in Myanmar, uh, people are being slaughtered on the streets. Because once there's no God, once there's no morality, it is just a wide-open free-for-all. It's, 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 it's uh, whoever's got the biggest guns rules the day. And they're just killing Christians all over the streets in Myanmar. Pray for Myanmar. Pray for Pastor Judah. He's a, a gentleman that we support there in Myanmar. The ruins are everywhere. And if you think, like the Jewish people in Jesus' day, listen, not going to affect me. I'm up here in my house. It's never going to come to my country. It's never going to come to my neighborhood. It's already here, folks.
It just hasn't fully gotten to us yet. When we live in a culture where you can have no Jesus, no prayer, no U.S. history, no Dr. Seuss, no Dr. No Mr. Potato Head, and yet, I don't even have to make it up, in California there is a bill. Now you cannot have Jesus, you cannot have a Bible, you cannot have prayer. We all know that, right? There is a bill in California that the children will have to chant to an Aztec god that accepted human sacrifice because that's a part of our culture. We live in a time when our Supreme Court can see gay marriage in the Constitution but not the right to life of an unborn baby. Do you see anything wrong, church? Are you awake? Are we here? This is why we work so hard to get people to Jesus. And this is why we work so hard to prepare ourselves. We accept Jesus Christ because you know what? They can have my house. They can have my car. They can have it all because I'll be out of here and I'll be with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And my job today is to convince some of you that are still unconvinced about how messed up our culture really is. I'll finish with this story. This is a, a lady named Hillary. She died two weeks ago. Was in a car wreck. She has two five-year-old twins. She saved her twins by throwing herself over them. She died and saved her twins. I think any one of us here would do that. Any of you watching at home, you would do that. For your children, for your grandchildren. But do you understand that Jesus did that for the whole world while we were at our worst? We weren't the beautiful, cute, little five-year-old boys... We were all grown up, adult, terrible sinners. And Jesus threw himself in front of all of it when he died on the cross for us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would get it today. That we would understand why they were shouting that day. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. The Messiah has come. Lord, I can't do anything about them not putting out a banner, but I pray today that we would. I pray that people would be saved. Somebody's in this room that needs to accept Jesus today. Somebody's watching online. Somebody's in Palm Bay and Deland. Somebody is there that needs Jesus. Somebody's been stuck in the middle of trying to figure out, trying to think, well, maybe both sides are right. Lord, you made it real clear what is right and what's wrong. And so today I pray that we would hold high the cross of Jesus Christ and that you would draw all men to that cross.